0: Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you'll hear an uplifting message from our pastor, Robert Madue. Our hope is that your relationship with God would flourish like never before. Are you ready for the word? Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We have been in a series called Back to the Basics. We're going back to the basics. Sometimes the way to go forward is to actually go back to the fundamentals And that's what we've been doing. This is the sixth installment uh, in this series. And we've been in the book of Romans. And just so you know, Romans is like AP class, okay? This is not kibbles and bits. In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul is giving us heavy-duty doctrine. And we've been going all throughout the book. And we're going to go to chapter five today, Romans five. We'll start at verse number one, and we'll land at verse number five. When you are ready to read it, say, yeah. You need some time to find it, say, give me a minute. Oh, you good. And we got it on a big old colorful screen. Did y'all pray for the cowboys last week? <laughs> See, I need the people to touch and agree. You didn't touch and agree with me last week. I'm gonna pray again today. Romans <laughs> chapter 5, starting at verse number one, and it says, Therefore. For real, Paul? No, if I want to glory in that. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Can you say amen? Oh, that is that that is good stuff. Stuff. Y'all pray for your boy, okay? Cause just the first verse is like a six week series, but uh, I'm gonna try to make it do what it do. I wanna preach today using this as a title, get to the good part, get to the good part. You know me, I'm gonna make you look at your neighbor at least a couple of times in every service. Look at your neighbor, say Neighbor. Would you please? Just get to the good part. Come on, look at your other neighbor, your second option. Come on, say other neighbor. Please do me a favor. Just get to the good part. If you believe God's gonna speak at Toyota Music Factory, why don't you give him some praise up in here. God speak today, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Get to the good part. At the risk of sounding too honest, I have to let you know that I am what you call a hurry-up-and-get-to-the-good-part person. What I mean by that is I am quick to get agitated, annoyed, and perturbed by people who waste my time. Please, please, don't don't waste my time. The reason it's annoying when you waste my time is because how many of you know time is the most precious commodity? Time is valuable. Time is way more valuable than diamonds or rubies because once you take my time, ooh, I can never get it back. I can never get it back. You understand? You can take a whole lot of things from me. You could take my house. I can get a house back. You, you can take my car. I can get my car back. You could take my hairline. They're doing miracles now. I can get my hairline back. But once you take my time, you have robbed me of the most precious commodity. I can never get my time back. As a matter of fact, I can never get a moment back. You realize today that we can never get this moment back, this moment right here. All of us gathered together. We will never have this moment again. We will never have September 16th, 2022, Social Dallas at the Toyota Music Factory at 11.25 a.m. This moment will never happen again. We might gather here again. I could wear the same outfit. We could sing the same worship songs, but this moment will never happen again. So as a consequence, I can't stand when people waste my time. Time is valuable and cannot be wasted. Having said that, ooh, hurry up. And get to the good part. If we're talking and you're telling a long story and I've hit you with at least three, wow, that's crazy. (laughs) Hurry up and get to the good part. If you recommend a book for me to read and you say, Pastor Robert, you got to read this book, please believe I'm going to get that book in a hurry. I'm going to buy the book because how many you know readers are leaders? I will get the book But if that author has not captured my attention in the first three chapters and nothing pithy or profound has been said and he has not caused me to grab my highlighter and highlight something, I'm not finishing that book. Because I need you to hurry up and get to the good part. If you tell me, oh, you got to watch this Netflix series, you got to watch this movie, please believe. They better come with something in that first scene and that first episode. I better be a dead body and missing shoes. Something that draws me in. I don't need a slow pot because if it's too slow, I'm not watching the rest of it. I want you to hurry up and get 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 to the good part. And I say that to tell you, I think our society is actually stuck in this mode of hurry up and get to the good part. Have you noticed? Everybody is hustling. Everybody is networking. Everybody is busy. Everybody is an entrepreneur. Everybody is on their grind right now. It seems like our whole culture right now is stuck in this mode of hurry up and get to the good part. It's interesting. Businesses are changing their model right now, and they're saying work remote and work from home as if we're not already doing that. Oh, yes, the proliferation of technology has now caused you not just to go to work, but work comes to you. Yeah, so here you are at your soccer game, at your kid's soccer game, and a Zoom meeting at the same time, trying to be zoned into the Zoom meeting and trying to be zoned into your kid's soccer game. And on the inside, you know you're saying, boy, hurry up and get in the game and make a goal so I can post it on my Instagram page. Hurry up and get to the good part. Everybody is in this mode of rushing. Everybody in this mode of going fast. You don't believe me? Have you ever got annoyed by somebody that was in front of you driving the speed limit? Here they are driving the speed limit. And you mad because they obeying the law and got the nerve to speed up past them and look at them like, what's wrong with you? You don't got something to do. You ain't got somewhere to go because everybody is stuck in this mode of hurry up and get to the good part. And I found out the problem with being stuck in the mode of hurry up and get to the good part is that I found out many of us don't know what the good part is. Have you noticed that in life, your gauge on what the good part is, is broken? That's the thing about your life because your story is still being written. My story is still being written. And many of us don't even know what the good part is. And you could be rushing past the good part you're in right now. As a matter of fact, how many of you are old enough and been through enough to look back over some things in your life that you thought were the bad part, that you thought was messed up, but now in retrospect, you look at that and say, no, 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 no. I thought in that season that was the bad part, but now that was the good part. It It was good they broke up with me. It was good they fired me. It was good I didn't get that job. I wouldn't have my business now. It was good. You don't know what the good part is. Some of you can look back now at 2020 and you thought everything was going crazy, but now you realize, yeah, it wasn't a bad year. It was actually a good year because it was in that year I learned how to pray. It was in that year I learned how to worship for real. It was in that year I learned how to get in the Word of God. You don't know what the good part is. You don't know what the bad part is. And there's actually some things in your life that you will call the good part. But it's actually the bad part because it's actually lulling you into mediocrity, into complacency. And you will never push into the effulgence of your destiny if you are comfortable and complacent. This is the challenge of life is I really don't know what the good part is. So I got to be careful if I'm trying to hurry up and get to the good part. This is what Paul says in Romans 28. I'm so glad that you said it, our CFO, Pastor Doug. Thank you for setting up my sermon, because Paul actually gets to that conclusion in Romans 8:28. He says, for we know that all things work for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Paul has finally got to a place in his life where he says, you know what? I don't even know what the good part is anymore. I've determined that I don't have the intellect or the cognitive aptitude to even know what the good part or the bad part is. All I know is that all things work for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Paul's gotten to the place. He said, I just call it things. I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. It's just a thing. But I I know at the end of this thing, God is gonna work it for my good. I know at the end of this thing, I'm gonna be more than a conqueror. I know at the end of this thing, I'm gonna be the head and not the tail. I'm gonna be above and not beneath. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I feel like you need to wake up at the Toyota Music Factory and realize that the thing you're in right now, you might not know if it's good or bad, it's just a thing. And if it's a thing, God can work it for your good. God can make that mess your miracle. He can make that test your testimony. He can make that thing you crying about. About, the thing you're going to be shouting about, saying, thank you, Jesus. I went through that. If it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't have picked it. But I'm looking back realizing the bad thing is actually a good thing. Ooh, brings me to my text today in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 is the good part. Paul has finally got to the good part. Matter of fact, Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8 is the good part. And if I would have gone with my regular get-to-the-good-part ways, I would have skipped chapters 1 through 4 and just gone straight to number 5, 6, 7, and 8 because all the good stuff is in 5, 6, 7, and 8. But look at how the Apostle Paul starts off chapter 5. He starts it off with, therefore, therefore. Anytime you're reading your Bible and you see therefore, you got to ask yourself, what is it? Therefore. (laughs) Because therefore is a word that is connecting what has happened before to what is happening now. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. That therefore in Romans chapter 5 is connecting us to everything that happened in Romans chapter 1 verses all the way down to chapter number 4. Remember, we've gone through it in this series. In chapter 1 through 4, the Apostle Paul is just drop-kicking us with all kinds of doctrine. He is punching us upside the head. He lets you know in Romans chapter 1 that all of us are under the wrath of God, those who suppress the truth of God. He lets us know in those early chapters of Romans that all have fallen short of the glory of God, that we are all guilty, that we are all sinners, whether you are Jew or Gentile, every single person. You are under the wrath of God. You are guilty as a sinner. It is not your righteousness that saves you. How many are thankful that God credited righteousness to your account? It is not your good works. He lets all of the Jewish people in Rome know it is not your Hebrew heritage or your circumcision or your church attendance and all the scriptures that you know that make you worthy of God's grace. None of us are worthy of His grace. He lets us know we're all guilty. All the crazy bad news is in chapter 1 Through chapter four, and then we get to chapter number five. He says, now that I gave you all the crazy stuff, let me get to the good part. And he says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith. Would you just say justified? Come on, say it, would you just say justified? That is a big word in the book of Romans. And I told you in one sermon that justified means that God looks at me just as if I had never sinned. That is justification. It doesn't mean I was, wasn't wrong. It just means that when he declares me justified, I am justified. He looks at me just as if I'd never sinned. Why? Because of what his son Jesus did on the cross. He sees me through the lens of his blood, what he was for me. He sees me just as if I'd never sinned. I wonder what your life would look like if you truly believe that you were justified. I wonder if you would stop trying to justify yourself. If you truly believed by faith that you were already justified that when God looks at you, he does not see all your sins and all your mistakes and what you did last summer, but he sees you standing before him, righteous and right standing with him, completely justified. I wonder how that would change your worship if you knew you were justified. Those of you that started to lift up your hands and then you put it down because the enemy started flooding your mind with all your mistakes. How many of you would have lifted that hand right back up and saying, I'm not lifting up my hand because I'm perfect. I'm lifting up my hand because my eyes are fixed on the person One, I have been justified. Justified through faith. I want to stay here for a moment because that is good news to be justified. To know that when God looks at me, he does not see my sin. Another verse says that he has separated my sin as far as the east is from the west. That makes me shout. Because he didn't say as far as the north is from the south. Because if you said that, how many know if you keep going north long enough? It's going to meet and hit the south. But he says, no, no, no. I've separated your transgressions as far as the east is from the west. That's how much I've separated your transgression. Another verse he says, I have put your iniquity into the depths of the sea. That he's forgotten about it. I know you still remember it, but a God who knows everything has forgotten about your sin. He's put into the depths of the sea. And I like to put a little extra thing on there. I think he puts a little sign that says, no fishing. No fishing. Because you know how church people are. Church people love to bring up (laughs) what you used to do. Church people love to remind you of your past mistakes. Church people love to, uh, don't act brand new. You ever had somebody hit you up with that because you moved it to another level of life and they're like, oh, don't act brand new. I remember you in. Can I tell you, in the kingdom of God, that is the only place where you better act brand new. You have to act brand new in the kingdom of God because I am, and it's not my works, and it's not my performance. It's what he's done. i got to act brand new because I've been justified. Been justified. He says, I've been justified by faith. And then, right when you think justification was enough, ooh. I was like, I ain't even got to the good part. He said, I'm going to tell you the benefits that you have of justification. Benefit number one, he says, since we have been justified through faith, here's benefit number one, we have peace with God. Peace with God. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. You know you got peace with God. Every single person in this room, every single person watching online, What your heart truly longs and desires is peace. That's what the human soul has always wanted is peace, 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 peace. Don't you wish that you could order peace on Amazon? Don't you with just Amazon Prime, just peace, come to your front door? Because all of us, we want peace. As a matter of fact, some of you, the reason you're shopping on Amazon all the time and boxes come to your house is because you're actually trying to get peace in those boxes. I'm telling you, some of us are shopping, trying to get peace. Some of us are smoking, trying to get peace. Some of us are rubbing all kinds of oils Trying to get peace. Some of us are mixing spirituality with witchcraft and doing all kinds of sages. And you do all kinds of worship and mixing it all together. Trying to get peace. Some of us are shooting stuff up in our arms. Trying to get peace. Some of us are in multiple bedrooms. Trying to get peace. Some of us are drinking a bottle. Trying to get peace. Some of us have been in Toyota Music Factory. It wasn't a church service. You in here saying, yeah, <laughs> I thought you was having a good time, and your friends didn't even know that on the inside, you were so bored, and you're so over it, and your soul was trying to get peace. This is what our soul longs for, but it's interesting because he does not say that because we've been justified, we have peace of God. He says we have the peace with God, because there's a difference between having the peace of God and having peace with God. Although they are intrinsically connected, there's a huge difference between the peace of God and the peace with God. The peace of God is subjective. It is that feeling that you feel when you have that inner solace. You're like, I have peace about this. I have peace. It is the same when Jesus entered the room. You remember after they had warrants out for their arrest because they killed Jesus, and they're like, they're gonna kill us too. And he entered into the disciples' house where they were saying, and he says, peace be with you. That is the peace of God. It is an inner feeling. It's in Philippians where it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God. The pastors all understanding and will guard your heart and your mind. That is the peace of God. That's awesome. But that's not what Paul is talking about. He's talking about peace with God. See, the peace of God is a feeling. The peace with God is a fact. It is a fact that I have been justified. That once I put my faith in him, I am no longer in hostility with God. I am no longer at war with him. I know you don't realize it, but how many you know before you put your faith in God, you were at war with God? Oh, yes. In the state of sin, you were at war with God. Some of you all like, I wasn't even thinking about him. You were at war with him. When you were in a state of sin, you were at war with God because a holy God cannot be in connection with sin. We were at war with him. There was hostility. The wrath of God would have been poured out on our life, but once I put my faith in him, all of a sudden I have peace with God. I don't have to worry about if he's mad at me. He's not mad at me because he sees me through the blood of Jesus that was shed. So as soon as you have an understanding that you have peace with God, it should produce the peace of God. But you know what the enemy does? He will try to remind you of all your mistakes and try to get you to think, God's not pleased with you. Remember what you did? Remember how much you messed up? What is he trying to do? He's trying to get in your mind to make you think there is hostility. But I came to tell you, once you have put your faith in him, you have peace with him. So walk in the peace that comes from him first benefit is we have peace with God. Second benefit that we have. Paul's like, ooh, I ain't even got to the good part. He also says that we now have access to grace. Access to grace. He says we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. Somebody say access? access. To grace. grace. What is grace? Grace? Is the unmerited favor of God. Grace is supernatural assistance. Paul says, now that I've been justified, I have access to the grace of God. How many know the grace of God doesn't just come at the moment of salvation. We live every single day perpetually in His grace. Every day you wake up is the grace of God. Your life you're in right now is simply the grace of God. The food you had this morning is simply the grace of God. The food you're gonna have for lunch today is the grace of God. The spouse that you got is the grace of of God. The crib you live in is the grace of God. Everything you have is standing in his grace. Grace is not a one-time event. The language is that we perpetually walk and live in this grace. And look at what Paul says. He says, you got access to it. Woo. You got access to the grace. Literally, the imagery of the access is getting brought into a place that you would not have had access if not for Jesus. Jesus. He brings you into a place that you would not have had access into before. Okay, we're here at the Toyota Music Factory, and uh, can, can I let y'all know that I had to come spy out the land. I had to come spy out the land. Some of y'all are going to leave the church uh, over this. Uh, I found out before we met today that Alicia Keys uh, was having a concert here, okay? And I said, I need to go see what it's going to be like at the Toyota Music Factory. So. I said, let me go check out, let me go check out uh, Alicia. Some of y'all about to get mad, pray for me. And I said, let me go check out Alicia Keys because I want to see what the Toyota Music Factory looks like. I said, let me go check it out. So I was going to buy a ticket and just get access, get access to see the concert. And then all of a sudden I'm talking uh, to Chandler and Chandler says, oh, uh, guess what? I know the person that's doing the act before Alicia. Said, if you want, we can just go. I said, well, let me save this $79.99 <laughs> if you got access. <laughs> i go. Remember, he, he didn't know Alicia, but he knows the act before Alicia. So I said, okay. And remember, I don't even know the act before Alicia, but Chandler did. So I said, you know, what? I got access. We came through the backstage. It was amazing. It was beautiful. Came to the back room right there, and I'm sitting there, and I meet the person that did the act before, and we're in there talking, and all of a sudden, they do a knock on the door. I'm like, what is happening? And we're in this back green room, and, and the guy comes in and says, uh, Alicia's ready. I said, What? Alicia's ready to see you. And she comes in the room. Y'all ain't going to believe this. Alicia comes in the room, walks past the open act, walks past Chandler, and says, Pastor Robert, I love your ministry. It's amazing to see what God is doing in your life. Ain't none of that happened. Ain't none of that happened. Ain't none of that happened. (laughs) None of that happened. (laughs) But I love that you believed it. Come on. (laughs) What actually happened? (laughs) I to said, hallelujah. That's why she on fire. She know the word, no. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. What actually happened, <laughs> it actually happened, Alicia came in, <laughs> met the opening act, said what's up to Chandler, and I was just standing there in the middle. You know how when you don't know the person, you like, she didn't even acknowledge me at all. I had access, <laughs> but I didn't get to talk. At least you don't know my name. Do do you know the problem? You know the problem with most believers? Is God has opened up a door. He has given you access, perpetual access to his presence. But most believers are standing in the back. I, 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 I can't, I can't, well, I, I didn't pray enough this morning, I die. I, I ain't memorized the book of Leviticus, I can't, I can't. And God is going, are you crazy? My son has given you access to me. Why would you not come every single day into my presence and stand with confidence under my grace? Wasn't the blood enough? Because you have access, you can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Somebody's yeah. standing there like you ain't supposed to be there. God's made a way for you to have access. So he says, the benefit, ooh, get to the good part. The benefit is we have peace with God. The benefit is we have access, access to grace. Ooh, then he drops another benefit. He says, we have a future in glory. Ooh, he has a future in glory. Look at this right here. Paul says, I boast in the hope of the glory of God. He says, I have a future in glory. How many know there used to be a time in the church where they would sing songs about our future and glory? There used to be a time, some of y'all new school, some of y'all old school, you remember, we used to sing songs about heaven, songs about future glory. You'd be hard pressed to find a song about heaven today because everybody loves our life on earth but the old school saints especially when they were going through trials and situations they had to go through the trial and the situation with an understanding that this earth is not my home i am not living here i am an alien here i am a stranger here heaven is my real home so whatever things would get back they would sing songs about their future and paul says you ought to boast about your future They used to sing songs like when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus, we'll shout and sing the victory. That's what they used to say. Songs like Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. They understood that what I am going through right here on earth is not the final say. They would sing songs like it is well with my soul. Oh, Lord, haste the day when my faith becomes sight, the clouds be rolled back like a stone trumpet shall sound and the Lord shall descend. They used to sing songs. You don't hear songs like that today because many of us are so earthly minded. We've lost sight of the fact that we ought to be boasting in the future glory. Boasting in what is to come. You ever heard this phrase? You so heavenly minded you know earthly God. What a crazy statement. I get what they mean. Like, don't just be looking up the cloud, doing nothing. But how many know? the only way to face the hell you go through on earth is to have heaven in your mind. To know that one day heaven is gonna make earth make sense. And all the questions that I have that don't get answered down here, how many are thankful that in a moment, in a twinkle of the eye, I will be caught up to meet him and I will meet him in glory. I'm gonna leave this body and get my new body in heaven. Thank God that earth is not the final say. Am I the only one that's ever looked at the news and said, who? Thank God this is not my own? Am I the only one that's ever looked at Washington, D.C. and said, thank God this is not my home. I've got a future in glory. When you live your life with a perspective that heaven will make earth make sense, that this earth does not have the final say. Some of you have believed and you stepped out in faith for somebody to be healed and they weren't, but they were because heaven One day we'll make earth make sense. So Paul says, I boast about the future hope of glory. So I'm like, Paul, you got all the way to the good part because you said I've been justified that God sees me just as if I have no sin. You you say I now have peace with God. That's amazing that peace with God will give me the peace of God. Paul, you said I ought to boast in the future glory Because this earth is not my home, but this last thing, jacks the whole thing up. Paul says, and we also rejoice in our suffering. Excuse me, Paul. You you want me to rejoice in what? In your suffering. Huh? I thought we'd get into the good part. I know. That is the good part. I don't see how it's the good part. You, You don't, because You don't understand the power of what suffering does. He says, we as believers have a unique ability to rejoice in suffering. Now, the reason I reacted crazy to Paul saying that is because I read too fast. Because at first, I interpreted it as rejoice for suffering. You have to say, ooh, praise the Lord, I got sick. (laughs) Ooh, y'all laying me off? Indefinitely? All right, praise the Lord. (laughs) He, He doesn't say rejoice for suffering. He says rejoice in suffering. And can I tell you, this is one of the most difficult things for believers to do. To rejoice in suffering. I found most believers relate to suffering in different ways. Some of us, we just tough it out. Just get, no, I'm fine. No. I'm good. That's what, that's what my faith is. I can take a licking and keep on ticking. I'm fine. <laughs> don't hurt me. I'm good. Life happens. Get over it. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. <laughs> and I appreciate your resolve. I love that you got your lip firm and your eyebrows swirled. But the problem with that, get over it. You see those people like, get over it. And the problem with those people is they don't have empathy for other people. That's not how suffering works. Suffering is not supposed to make you harder or tougher in the sense that you don't have empathy for other people. That's when suffering has gone too far to the point your heart has gotten hard. You're like, it is what it is. Forget it. <laughs> Some believers re- relate to suffering like this, saying, oh, well, I'm just, I'm just going to deny that it exists and I don't want to deal with my emotions. It's fine. It's fine. No. I'm just going to pretend like it doesn't. No, I'm not. pain, I'm fine. I'm fine. Is that the way to deal with suffering? The Bible says Job was blameless. Did you see how Job responded to suffering? He wailed. He cried. He wept at what he lost. How do you go through suffering? The way to go through suffering is to go through it. Like what one writer said, if you're going through hell, keep on going. Paul gives us the formula for hope in suffering. Paul says, I got good news. I'm gonna get to the good part. Yes, we have peace with God. Yes, there is a future in glory. Yes. But we also have a formula. For hope. And the formula for hope is this suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. That is the formula for hope. The only way to get to hope is to go from suffering to perseverance, which builds character. And then you get home. Last week, I didn't do my job as a preacher because I told you, get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. But I forgot to tell you, the way to get your hopes up is to go through suffering, persevere through the suffering, because in that perseverance, you get character, and that character produces hope. Hear me when I tell you, suffering is inevitable. It is inevitable. I wish I could tell you that once you put your faith in Jesus, you're going to win the lottery, a Bentley's going to be in your driveway, and that more money's going to be in your bank account, and everything's going to go right. And there are some preachers who do that. But the problem with that gospel is it doesn't work everywhere. If my financial prosperity has to line up with my faith, You can't preach that everywhere, but you can preach hope everywhere. You can preach that suffering and persevering through the suffering will produce something in you that good times can never produce. I don't know what it is you're going through right now, but God's word for you is persevere. Persevere. If you don't persevere, You don't get the character, and you don't get the hope. The problem with us is we quit too soon. We quit too soon. We quit right in the middle of the forming, right in the middle of the shaping, and we wonder why we never get to the place of hope. Because you can only get to the hope when you persevere. I know you want to get past it. I know you want to get to the good part, but the formula is suffering perseverance, character, hope. If you want to get to the hope, you want to get to the good part, you have to stay even in the suffering. That's what Joseph did. How in the world was Joseph after being betrayed by his own brothers, after being lied on by Potiphar's wife, His name all in the tabloids. After going through all that, being imprisoned wrongfully. And he's able to look back over his life. And when most of us would have gotten even, when most of us would have taken it into our own hands and said, you did evil to me, I'm gonna do evil to you. I'm gonna make you pay. Look at what he says. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I had to endure, I had to persevere. It doesn't mean I liked it, but the perseverance produced the character that gave me the hope. I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet all over this place today. I'm gonna ask you just to bow your heads and. Close your eyes. I wish I could tell you that you could skip the process of suffering and go straight to the hope. But the Apostle Paul is so clear we don't get to the good part until we persevere. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed over this place today, this is what I'm praying for. I'm praying that in a culture that is so quick to quit, in a culture where quitting and giving up is normal, that today the Holy Spirit would infuse you with perseverance. To know that what you are going through is producing something in you that success cannot produce there is something about suffering that makes you pray more takes pride out of your life makes you see the needs of other people stops you from being so judgmental saying from a distance, well, if they had more faith and if they did this and they did that, isn't it funny when you go through it, all of they should do goes out the window. And God says, if you'll persevere and not try to skip to the good part, you'll get the hope and hope does not disappoint we would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family please head to our website socialdallas.online and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world